Amen. Most of you are familiar, if not all, with the ministry and work that God has called, I was going to say we, called us to, my wife, myself to. It's a, a ministry that we've been involved in for over many, many years. Dealing with folks, basically, on a daily basis, men and women, young people, whose lives are affected through and by addiction. People who have stubborn addictions, life-controlling habits. Of course, many of them, they didn't intend or mean to end up in that place. Nobody setting out in life would purpose or mean to become an addict. Nobody purposes for that to take place or to happen. We work with people, and I've worked with people for years now from all different backgrounds and spectrums for upbringings, social classes, etc. We think about the issue of addiction. Let me say it is a very relevant topic. It's a very important subject because putting it very simply, addiction is very much on the increase. More and more lives are being affected by and through addiction. And when we think about addiction, we're going to be looking at various addictions tonight. We're going to name some and consider them. But we think especially of drug and alcohol abuse and gambling, etc. We, it's, it's a well-known fact that addiction services, for instance, are under immense pressure. There are so many people who are affected by drugs and alcohol and other addictions that they're contacting the services, parents, family members concerned, and therefore there's a, there's a knock-on effect. We, we, we see that with regards to mental health and the, the strain and pressure because there's a strong correlation between addiction and mental health, etc. Whenever, whenever I'm working and I have been in this field for over quite a, quite a long time. You think you've seen it all. And then something new comes to the fore. Perhaps some new way or some new substance. Uh, just recently, I'm not going to mention exactly what, but I was, I was watching um, basically a documentary about a new form of drug. And all I could say is it just left me, this is someone who's seasoned to addiction work, speechless and heartbroken, unchallenged. And I'll tell you why. Because this book sets forth the remedy, the answer. What a tremendous, great need there is. What a mighty need there is. And we'll, we'll consider that a little bit later on. This evening we're going to consider the topic, the subject, the answer to addiction. We're going to, of course, consider it from God's word. And we're going to be looking at our Bibles and thinking about what the Bible has to say about addiction. First of all, I want you to consider with me the definition of Addiction. You know, when we're talking about addiction, what do we really mean by that? Of course, when we think about addiction, the first things that 
things that are going to pop into our minds that are going to come to fore, we will automatically think, well, that's drink, that's drugs, that's substances, that's harmful needles, and all those sorts of things. And that's what we associate with addiction. But what does addiction consist of? What, how do we define addiction? According to the Oxford Dictionary, addiction is, I quote, a state of dependence produced either by the habit, hab, habitual taking of drugs or by regular engaging in certain behaviors, i.e. gambling. So it's basically habitual drug use or habitual behaviors that become addictive. The National Health Service, the NHS, states addiction is defined as not having control over doing, taking, or using something to the point where it could be harmful to you. Addiction, I quote, is most commonly associated with gambling, drugs, alcohol, and smoking. But it's possible to be addicted to just about anything, including. Then it gives you a list of certain things that people can and do become addicted to. For instance, work. Now, whenever we think about addiction, we, we wouldn't necessarily, that wouldn't be the, the first thing that would, be, that would come to mind. Some people's lives, you see, are obsessed with work to the extent that they become physically exhausted. And I'm quoting here, if your relationship, family, and social life are affected and you never take holidays, maybe you are addicted to work. Can you think of anyone like that? I'm sure that we all can think of individuals or people and they're consumed by work. They live to work. Another thing that's quoted is the internet. I quote, as computer mobile phone use has increased, so too has computer and internet addictions. And we all know that. We only have to think of Young people in particular, and by the way, these aren't things that are just relevant for young people. Uh, certainly older folk as well can be taken over or given over to addiction with when it comes to computing, to video gaming and those sorts of things, to extreme, extreme internet use. I'm, I'm talking, you know, people who literally cannot live or survive without a media device. Have to know what's on the current affairs. Have to be connected. Have to know the news, etc. Then it quotes solvents as well as being addictive. And another one, which um, you might be surprised with, shopping. Shopping becomes an addiction. I quote the NHS. You go on the website, you'll read it verbatim. Shopping becomes an addiction when you buy things you don't need or want to achieve a buzz. In other words, you get a thrill. Wet works in the brain, releasing the chemicals. This is quickly followed by feelings of guilt, shame, or despair. And I'm just quoting there from the NHS. There are, of course, various types, different types of addiction. They can generally, when we look at addictions, addictions, addictions can generally be characterized into two groups or two categories. You have what we would term substance addictions. 
So, alcohol, as was spoken on last night, preached on last night, drugs, whether they are legal drugs, illegal drugs, whatever the drug may be, the substance may be, and when we include substances, we also have to put nicotine in there. How many, sadly, there are who are held by the addiction of nicotine? Let's not downplay it. Let's not think, when we think about substance misuse, that's alcohol and drugs. Yes, it is, but also nicotine, tobacco as well. Then you have your second category, non-substance addictions. What we're talking about is basically behavioral addictions. Addictions such as gambling, video gaming, pornography, over-exercising. They are behavioral addictions. Now, the way that the world seeks to view addiction and to address addiction is contrary to what the Bible teaches. And we need to be really clear about this. And by the way, I'm not here tonight to try and knock down or try and minimize in some way the role that uh, many people in addiction services do. It's a very worthwhile task. They're doing what they can. They certainly are making a difference, humanly speaking, in people's lives. But the Bible speaks very clearly about how to deal with addiction. For instance, I read a a quote just recently from a, a treatment clinic. Let me just read, just very briefly. Quote, addiction is a chronic, lifelong condition. That's an important word that involves compulsive seeking and taking of a substance or doing an activity despite negative or harmful consequences. Also states, the clinic state, addiction is a disease, a chronic condition. So it's not just a condition, it's a chronic condition, a disease that does not happen from a lack of willpower or the result of bad decisions. It is a chronic brain disorder. In ministry, oftentimes, my wife and myself will we'll work with, we have, we have to work with various agencies and groups and addiction services. remember being at a doctor's one day with a person, as we often do, we'd be, be with, at the GP with them to either lend moral lend some support or to try and give some sort of input as to the way forward with the individual. And whenever the person spoke about their addiction, right away, the GP said these words. Now, I want you to understand something. This is not your fault. You have a disease. You're simply overcome by that disease. And I sat there and I thought, well, that's not what the Bible teaches. It's not what God's word says. Of course, the world would ridicule what the Bible teaches. How can a man, a woman, a young person ever know freedom from addiction? And by the way, when I say freedom, freedom, not sobriety, is the goal. Freedom. Because you can be sober and yet still in your sin and lost and on your way to eternal ruin. 
So being sober, that's not the goal. It is freedom. How can a person know freedom? Is there such a thing as freedom? Praise God there is. We want to say that right from the very outset. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 32. What is that truth? The truth about who Jesus Christ is. The truth about what Jesus Christ has done. The truth sets, the truth makes people free. You need to be careful with words. Whilst there is a setting free, the word of God is very clear that the, that the Lord Jesus makes people free. It's the truth. Therefore, we need to consider the truth. Turn with me, please, in your Bibles to Proverbs and the chapter 5 and the verse 22. Proverbs 5, verse 22. I get asked this question all the time. Is, does it, is does, uh, addiction really a disease? Well, pending it very simply, if it is a disease, then you treat it like you treat any other disease. So either it's not a disease or they just haven't found the remedy yet. Of course, we know the Bible says that Proverbs 5 verse 22. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself. He shall be holden with the cords of his sins. You see, the Bible makes it very clear that sinful actions, sinful choices, sinful decisions, they have consequences, they have results. Oftentimes, oftentimes leading to addiction. He shall be holden with the cords of his sins. Very simply illustrated. If you were to take a piece of thread and wrap it around your fingers once or twice. You can break it very, very easily. You can just snap it. Take that same piece of thin thread, wrap it around a few times more, and it becomes harder to break. But wrap that same thread, just a tiny thread, wrap it around and around and around and around again. Keep on doing it. Keep on practicing it. And it becomes like a cord, like a rope, and you can't break it. And that's like addiction in a life. Choices and decisions that someone has made and the road that they've gone down leading to addiction. But I, I want to be really careful here and I want to qualify what I'm saying. Really important that we understand something here. When we're speaking about addiction, we know that sinful actions, choices lead to addiction. But not everybody who is in addiction is there because of sinful actions. You might say, well, how's that? Well, let me give you an illustration. If, for instance, and maybe there is someone and you've had, I'm just going to throw it out there, give an example. You've had chronic back pain. Now, if you have back pain, you'll know that when you have back pain in particular, it affects just every aspect of your life. Not able to function, not able to walk, not able to work right, not able to sleep, and so much discomfort. And so you would go to the GP. The GP would rightly prescribe you medication, perhaps um, a pain relief drug because you're in so much pain. And you take the pain relief medication as prescribed. 
But in the process of using that medication and using it perhaps for a period of time, you've become addicted. You've simply followed your GP's instructions, but you're now addicted to that substance. Very different from setting out. There is a danger, of course, that when somebody has been prescribed pain medication that they then want to stay on it and therefore not having pain, they will say that they have got pain. And of course, that leads us into a totally different realm. And that then becomes a sinful act. We must be careful whenever we speak about addiction and defining what addiction really is. But I want you to consider here, there's not only the definition of addiction, but also the deception that is associated with addiction. And by this, I mean, here is the great plan. Here is the great ploy of the devil. What is it? It is to get men and women addicted to just about anything to keep them away from the truth, whatever that may be. And so you have a day and culture, a generation course there's no new thing under the sun but so many people and they're looking for life they're looking for satisfaction but in the wrong place turning to not only the drink turning not only to drugs gambling those vices but turning to the things of the world that we have spoke about consumed by whatever that pursuit may be getting that Release of energy, that high as it were, that feeling, that fix from whatever they're involved in. And behind it, we have the work of the devil. Look what it says here, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 and 4. Verse 3, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest, unless... The light of the glorious gospel of Christ is the image of God should shine with him. Putting it very simply. Man is born into this world. He has a sin nature. He has a sin problem. Man is at enmity against God. He's a sinner. He has sinful desires. Man has a desire to please his flesh, to be involved in those things. And therefore, he is going down a pathway that will, of course, lead to destruction. The devil doesn't want the status quo to change. Doesn't want men and women to come to know the truth. Doesn't want you to listen to the truth. What have you think about anything else than the truth? Man is blinded in sin. Born of this world, man is naturally blinded. Didn't John Newton say, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, spiritually blind. But now I see. Man is blinded in sin. But notice what it says here in the verse 4. In whom the God of this world, that's the devil, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Them which believe not. 
You're not saved. You're not a Christian. You're not born again of the Spirit of God. Let me put it very clearly. The devil wants you to remain that way. He doesn't want you to know freedom. He doesn't want you to know or grasp the purpose of life. He certainly doesn't want you to embrace Christ. Doesn't want you to know true freedom. And so what will he do? He will use, he will employ just about every tactic and anything to keep your mind blinded. So many people today, and the, the mind is, is under immense attack. There's a battle for the mind, for the souls of men and women. Man is in darkness, but the devil wants that to remain that way. Man to remain that way. And addiction is one of his greatest tools. It really is. But sadly, we can make the mistake of thinking, well, See those folks over there. See those drug addicts, those alcoholics. Oh, they need God in their life. They need divine intervention, but but not me. I'm not like them. I don't live that lifestyle. But perhaps you're taken up with something, for instance, that you wouldn't view as being an addiction. It is the plan, the aim of Satan that you remain bound, chained in sin. And how many there are, sadly, they're looking for life but looking in the wrong place. Never set out to be that way. Never intended to make shipwreck. They never put it down, as it were, as a, as a career choice. I'm going to make a mess of my life. But sadly... They made not only bad decisions, but sinful decisions. Remember the prodigal son in Luke 15? He went away into the far country. The far country. He was far away. It says, but when he came to his senses, in other words, he wasn't thinking straight. His mind was affected. He become addicted to those things and doing those sinful pleasures. He wasn't reasoning straight. What did he say to his father? Father, I have sinned against heaven before thee. Turn with me, please, back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 3 in the verse 1. Oh, the devil is, he's a master. When we think about addiction, he is an absolute master of deception. He knows how to attract. He knows how to entice, how to lure. He is a master at this. Genesis 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle, more crafty, more cunning. Than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, have God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Eve, are you sure God said that? Are you sure this really is the word of God? He would say to men and women today. Why? Because the only way that we can overcome 
His subtlety, his deceitfulness is through and by the word of God. It's the only way. You want to know freedom? No truth? No freedom. No truth. No truth, no freedom. No truth, K-N-O-W, and you will know freedom, you'll know Christ. The only way we can overcome a subtlety is through and by the word of God. And we think about addiction, there is a great deception. People seeking for life but looking in the wrong place. might say, well, surely it's really only drugs and alcohol that that's really what addiction is. That's what needs to be addressed and spoken about. They're the people that need help. Yet you have folk and they're consumed. And I mean consumed by sport. That's all they live for. They're consumed with exercising. They're consumed by whatever it may be. And the devil has them exactly where he wants them. Addicted. Getting that feel-good factor about themselves. Instead of stopping to consider their great need before God. description or the should I say the definition of addiction we've looked at the deception associated with addiction but what about the devastation and effects of addiction devastating effects upon an individual upon a life a family society but upon the soul I said Literally wept. To see young lives broken. Ravaged by new, a new drug use. Somebody's son or daughter. Somebody's brother or sister. Somebody's mother or father. Could be you. Could be me. Could have been. The heartache, the pain. I listen to it basically on a on a daily basis. Of parents who literally plead with me. Plead. Please, if you don't help, they're gonna die. We can't reach them, we can't help them. Devastating, devastating effects. The devil, he never shows the end product. He doesn't show where it's going to all end up. We live in a, a culture nowadays, don't we, where it's 
higher purchase. Have it now. Take it with you. Just sign the dotted line. But pay for it later. And can I say, it's oftentimes pay for it later with a lot of interest. And how many lives have found that out? Devastating. There's also the dilemma. The dilemma experienced by those in addiction. And by that I mean, the dilemma is this. Although they want to be free, humanly speaking, they can't. Now they try. And oftentimes they will go to various lengths and depths seeking help. But the dilemma is this. They can't free themselves. You see, really, when it comes down to it, when, we, when we, 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 we boil it all right down, it comes down to being an issue of the heart. That the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Here is the reality. Man is in darkness, but man loves darkness. Men love darkness rather than light. Man is addicted to his sin. Man wants to keep on practicing his sin. And by that I mean men and women. They want to know that freedom. Can I say, I'm glad tonight that as we consider this subject of the answer to the addiction, that there is such a thing as the deliverance and answer to addiction. There is not an answer, but the answer. And we make no apologies for that. We say that there is the remedy. What is that remedy? Ye shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. He is the answer. Christ is the answer. Can I say that there are various uh, stages to someone, I say stages, usually certain things that take place for someone who is seeking help with their addiction. First stage, of course, is actually acknowledging and admitting that you have a problem, that you have an addiction. And uh, how many times dealt with people and they just, they just don't see it? They don't want to see it simply because well, if you, if you recognize it and admit it, then you're more than likely going to have to do something about it. I have a list here of indicators, and I often refer to them, and I think I don't refer to them out, uh, outwardly, but when I'm dealing with somebody, I'm thinking about them. For instance, just some indicators that somebody has a sinful, uh, a destructive habit. Do you have a love for a certain habit? Do you think about this habit obsessively? Do you need to hide this habit? Does this habit help you to cope with stress or to deal with problems? Do you find it hard to quit this habit? Have you ever tried? Do you waste time and precious money on that habit? 
does this habit isolate you from people around you and the things you love? Have you ever sought to break free from this habit? Answering those questions, if you say yes to, or no to, or yes to a number of them, then more than likely there is a problem with some type of addiction. And so it's coming to admit and to acknowledge, yes, I have a problem. But the word of God goes further. The word of God goes to the very heart of the matter. Getting to the heart of the matter is a problem. The problem of addiction is a, it's a problem of the heart. It's a heart problem, a heart condition. Man has a wicked, sinful heart, a, a heart that is against God, a war with God, a heart that loves sinful things. Admitting the problem is certainly a, a very important step. Also, seeking to address the problem. In other words, seeking help. And uh, very important for folks to, to seek help out. And when it comes to, for instance, drug addiction, it is important that, for instance, folks are linked in with their GP, etc. And the reason I say that is if somebody, for instance, stops using certain types of drugs, they can and they will uh, go into not just a withdrawal, but it can be life-threatening. Now, we know that the Lord is well able to save, to keep, that the Lord is able to deliver. We know that. But we also know that the Lord uses doctors and he uses medication to aid and to help in recovery. It's not enough, you see, just to know a person has a problem, to admit you have a problem. You have to address it and to to seek to do something about it. And oftentimes that issue will be done in private. An addiction starts off very publicly in the sense of social gatherings and with friends, etc. And then it oftentimes it becomes a very isolated event. You want to be on your own. Wanting to do it yourself. But praise God tonight for the answer and for the remedy. What is that remedy? It is in Christ. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Maybe you've been battling an addiction. Christ is able to make you free. You say, well, that's a very simple remedy. There really is one remedy, and that's Christ. By that I mean coming by faith to him, submitting to him, being willing to turn from your sin, to embrace Jesus Christ as Savior, to cast your all upon him, to cry to him for mercy. And let me say, I've seen it time and time and time again where God has intervened and stepped in and deliverance is real. 
because Christ is real. There is wonderful freedom through Christ. Turn with me please to John and the chapter 8. It's a, a fundamental passage. Whenever we think about addiction, what it means to know freedom, coming to the Lord, trusting Christ, be born again of the Spirit of God. We read there in the verse 36. In fact, we'll link verse 32 along with verse 36. Verse 32 says, And ye shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. Then verse 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free unto you. You see, the Son, he is truth. All truth. Truth is found in Christ. Freedom is found in Christ. Back in 2 Corinthians in our portion that we read, we read there about the plan, the ploy of the devil. His aim is to keep men and women in sin. He uses addiction very, very powerfully. But look at verse 4. It says, In whom the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ is the image of God should shine unto them. Praise God tonight, this book preaches, teaches, upholds, presents, uplifts the one who is the answer to addiction. He is the one who sets forth the glorious hope. And what a wonderful hope it is that man who is bound in addiction, women, no matter what that addiction may be, no matter what they're consumed with and occupied with, taken over with, given over to, it can be broken. The chains of bind can be snapped. And it's through Christ. It's through the power of the gospel. It's a glorious gospel. It's glorious because it presents Christ as the remedy for sin. I could stand and tell you tonight of many lives that were destroyed, ruined through drugs, alcohol, gambling, other addictions. And tonight, those lives are totally transformed. You see, man has not got the ability to free himself. Christ alone is able to deal with a sin problem in our hearts and lives. I wonder, do you know the freedom that there is in Christ? Can you say, yes, I am free tonight. Jesus Christ made me free. I'm no longer under the bondage of sinful practices and living. No, Christ has made me free. He's made me new. He's given me a new heart with new desires, new longings, new goals, a new direction in life, a new purpose to life, something worth living for. Not just something worth living for, everything to live for. For Christ is everything. 
We look out tonight, don't we, as the Lord's people. We look out upon a lost and fallen world. Such great needs. Imagine holding in your hand the remedy to some great disease. Don't want to name any, but a disease. You would do everything and I would do everything in our power to get that remedy, that medicine into people's hands. We hold the answer to man's great need. Lives that are consumed by sinful practice, entangled in addiction, whatever that addiction may be. Christ is the remedy. You need Christ. One step to faith in Christ. Coming to him. Yielding your life to him. Submitting your life to him. Calling upon the name of the Lord. Being saved. Will you do that? Can I say to all those parents who will listen at some stage or grandparents, pray on. The devil will say, try to convince, oh, it's never going to happen. Your loved one's not going to know that freedom. It'll never take place. They're too far gone. He's a liar. This book that we love, that we preach, presents the glorious gospel of Christ who shines in the darkness of man's heart. And praise God your loved one can know that freedom. Oh, I pray that the Lord will give us a greater love for him. And that when men and women look at our lives, that they will see something very attractive of the beauty of Christ. And it will draw them to come to him, to inquire about him, to put their faith and trust in him. The answer is very simple. The answer is a person the Son of God. He came not to destroy men's lives, but to save them, to rescue them from the power of their sin, that bondage that there is. And praise God tonight. He's a mighty Savior. He's one able to save too. The uttermost. I pray the Lord will speak on to hearts the Lord will challenge us as his people. And that together we will see God move and work in a way that only dreamt about.
God making many people free. Let's just bow together in prayer. Thank you for your time. Pray that the Lord will speak on through the word preached and weakness. The Lord will help speak on to hearts. Father in heaven, we want to thank thee tonight for the great remedy that there is in Christ. We thank the Lord tonight that we preach a Christ who is not only able to save, but a Christ who is willing to save. Lord, we rejoice in that. Lord, it thrills our hearts to know that Christ is the answer to man's greatest need. So many tonight held in bondage. So many lives, Lord, wrecked, ruined, destroyed. Whatever the addiction may be, whatever the sinful practice and pleasure, Lord, we know that man would rather seek to play down the reality of the problem. In that sense, to take away personal accountability, but Lord, we'll all stand before thee and give an account. Lord, speak on to hearts. Father, we pray that you will bring men and women and young people into that place of liberty where they know Christ as Savior, the walking newness of life, that they will serve thee with all of their hearts. Hear the answer prayer. Take us to our homes in safety. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.